Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Gospel reading for today uh, may bring up for you some interesting images, as it did for me as we approach here the last of the church year. Jesus says to his disciples in regards to to the temple, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Uh, It brings some interesting images to me as we have just witnessed the uh, tearing down of our old uh, sanctuary, our old church building, uh, looking forward to the building of a new church, a new place for us. Uh, We might have a lot of questions at the end of the church year, uh, coming to the end of the year, calendar year, uh, but we might have some questions in our own minds about what our future is, not just as a congregation, but about ourselves too. Uh, we do have a plan, build a new building in which our congregation and others uh, might join, uh, join together to learn more about our loving Savior, to learn about God's great love for sinners and for us. And we pray that our Lord will give our, our building project success and use our new building for the advancement of his kingdom. In our gospel lesson, the disciples asked Jesus about the future, about the future of the temple, uh, because of what Jesus has said. And Jesus responds by telling them not about the future of that temple necessarily, although he does in the end, but he begins by telling them uh, about the future of the church. And the disciples, they are in awe of the beauty of the temple, of the majesty of it. Uh, But Jesus is about to do something that is going to inspire a lot more awe, a lot more praise than the temple. It's going to be something that will last into eternity. He's about to go to the cross and become God's once-for-all sacrifice for the sins of the world. Now when the remnant returned to Israel from Babylon, from that captivity, in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, then they rebuilt Jerusalem, rebuilt the walls, and they began to rebuild the temple. Now that happened around 500 B.C., some say about 519 B.C. Nearly five centuries later, Herod the Great begins to renovate and greatly expand that same temple. This is the second temple period that we're talking about. Uh, He does that as part of his building projects that he has going. He's got quite a lot of them going. He's, He's known for that in history. When Jesus visits the temple, okay, so I should have said Herod begins that project about 19 B.C. And when Jesus visits the temple... Uh, In John chapter 2, so his first Passover there, um, uh, it is said that the temple is uh, 46 years into this building project of Herod the Great. This is when Jesus says, tear down the temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And they say it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Well, it's still under construction. In fact, it's under construction for a total of about 80 years. It's finished really about 10 years before it's destroyed in 70 AD. And Jesus reminds his disciples that at least in this life, everything comes to an end. He says, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. 
even an edifice, a building as great and glorious and beautiful as the temple with all of its sacrifices and all of its worship. Even that is not going to last. As imposing as the stones were, and they are estimated to be about five tons each, those are the smaller stones, they wouldn't even last into the next century. And today, a Muslim shrine, as you know, the Dome of the Rock, now sits where the temple once stood. But Jesus wasn't just speaking that day about physical buildings. He was also warning the disciples about the social and the spiritual um, institutions of the world. He says it's all coming down. It's been coming apart since the fall. Jesus talks about the spiritual decay that the world is undergoing. He says, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. Some, Jesus says, will even claim to be the Christ. And uh, this is kind of interesting because we have seen that even in our own lifetime. We have seen people claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be Christ. Sun Young Moon is one that comes to mind. He was very popular in the 50s and 60s. Uh, he claimed that Jesus came and anointed him to be the Messiah to finish the work that Jesus had begun. Jim Jones is another that claimed to be the reincarnated Jesus. And he led nearly a thousand people to their death. David Koresh is another name that you might recall. He claimed also to be the Messiah. We could go on. There are others. It's not just in our lifetime, but previous. Ever since Christ, there have been people who claim to be the one, just as Jesus said. And we certainly have a good number of church bodies, I say church bodies, uh, that seem to be intent on leading people astray. Some even claim to be part of mainline, mainline Christianity. Uh, for example, the Mormon Church, that's a real easy example. 16 million people worldwide. Jehovah's Witnesses that also have millions of people as well. Neither of them are Christian churches. The United Church of Christ uh, no longer requires churgy, clergy to confess the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ebenezer Lutheran Church of San Francisco, a, member, a church member in the ELCA, prays to the goddess and has created a culture where, in their words, a diversity of spiritual traditions and perspectives are woven together. And this includes pagans, non-theists, yogis, spiritual seekers of all sorts, as well as Christians, Jews, Muslims, and lifelong Lutherans as members of their spiritual community. So the tendency even for mainline denominations to abandon the word of God demonstrates the spiritual decay that Jesus spoke about in our gospel reading today. And Jesus also spoke about the social decay in the world. Uh, many of the catastrophes that he describes are man-made, right? Wars, rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, even family members 
turning against each other. A glance at the news headlines tells us that it's ongoing. Uh, it has always been, I would say, from, uh, from the time of Jesus. In fact, these warnings and these signs of the end uh, were already happening back then in the lives of the apostles. Wars and famines, spiritual unfaithfulness, family members turning one on another. All have happened and continue to happen. And since Christ's prophecies have all come true, then the stage is set for the end of the world. It may happen at any time. And it would be easy for us to become discouraged with all of this and uh, in the face of all of this, especially spiritual warfare. Uh, there are times when we, we might feel like throwing up our hands and saying, where is God in all of this? Why does he put up with this? Why doesn't he act? Why doesn't he do something about it? Well, what we can be assured of is that God is working to fulfill his purposes. Many of his actions, his plans, his designs are hidden from us. We catch a hint of it today in our Daniel reading. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And in the book of Daniel we read about kings gathering kingdoms to themselves, or one king in particular magnifying himself, uh, being treated and worshipped as our God as he overruns other kingdoms and peoples and sets himself up as a supreme ruler. And it may very well seem like God is powerless in this or has withdrawn himself from the world, but this would not be true, it would be rather a lie of the enemy. Because, and this is this, this hint that I talked about, he, he talks about Michael. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of God's people. And Daniel's vision and prophecy, they come at a dark time for Israel. Israel is in Babylon at the time. Uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed. The temple has been razed, burned. A dark time for them. And yet Daniel has this vision. And uh, God tells him that Michael is, is uh, the, this great prince of God's people in this vision. And, and a few chapters earlier there in Daniel, Michael comes to assist the one speaking to Daniel. Uh, Michael comes to war against the powers of evil. Because, you see, it was God's plan that, that God's people would spend some time in Babylon and then return home to Jerusalem and rebuild it and rebuild the temple. Because, of course, the Lord is going to return to his temple. Jesus is going to come there. The temple has to be rebuilt. It's God's plan. And Satan wants to subvert and destroy and ruin God's good plan. And so 
somehow, we don't know the details, somehow spiritually the, the uh, devil and his angels were fighting against this um, return of, of Israel to the promised land, to Jerusalem. And Michael comes and wars and fights so that this messenger can come and deliver to Daniel this message. It's very uh, out of us, outside of us, uh, very, very strange, but we get this little hint and glimpse. And the point we want to make here is that God is working behind the scenes as we don't see it. God is working for our good, for the good of the church, to do his purposes. He has not forgotten his promises. He gives them the, his people, both there in Babylon and us, words of hope through the prophet Daniel, the archangel Michael. It seems so easy for us because our sight is so limited to lose hope and to forget that all earthly things come to an end, are coming to an end, that we can't take any of it with us when we die. We talked about this in Bible study this morning. It's all going to be dissolved on the last day, so why do we put so much stock in it? Why do we look uh, with hopeful eyes to things here on earth? instead of to our Lord? Why do we focus on the buildings and stones in our lives, relying on things that will not last? There is another way, Jesus says. The one who endures to the end will be saved. There is a salvation that lasts beyond this life, beyond this world. It is a salvation, a saving that lasts forever. Today's gospel begins with temporary stones of the temple. And those stones cannot save, but there is a stone that can. The psalmist writes, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, Yahweh's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. There, are, there is a stone that we can look at, a beautiful stone, a marvelous stone that we can wonder about. This is Christ. It is the stone that the temple uh, leaders rejected. They wanted to build nothing on it. They arrested him. They had him beaten and crucified. And when he hung on the cross, it looked like the end. And when he died, and when he was buried, was placed in the tomb, it looked like his end had come. And his suffering and his death was an end, but not the end of him. <laughs> Rather, it was the end of our slavery to sin. It was the end of the condemnation and the guilt that our sin had earned. It was the end of death's reign in this world. Because three days later, he rose from the dead. He rose to live forever. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this stone, of course, is Jesus Christ himself, the rock of ages. And those who believe on this stone will live forever. They believe in the living stone who is the foundation of the new heavens and the new earth. The one who endures to the end. 
is the one whose faith in Jesus Christ endures. The one who believes that Jesus Christ is the only Savior from sin is the one who endures to the end and will be saved. All things in this world come to an end. And today's gospel lesson talks about the beautiful stones and buildings of the temple, but they have been torn down. And now, ironically, the dome of the rock sits in its place. But eventually, that dome, that Muslim shrine will be gone too. And the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars will all be gone. Only Jesus Christ, the rock of ages, will remain and bring us through. And we're building a building not so that we can admire its beauty, but so that we'll have a place where we can preach and teach and talk about and revel in and rejoice in the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ, who comes to us again today as we read his word, as we come together and sing his praises, as we take his body and his blood in holy communion. And in Christ, God has stepped out from behind the curtain and revealed to us many things, many beautiful things about how he is working on our behalf. Jesus is coming soon on that last day. That is going to happen soon. It's a date that only the Father knows, but he wants us to be ready for that coming. And we are ready because he is with us now, reminding us by his Spirit through the Word that just as he has come to deliver us from our sin and our guilt, our flesh, and the power of the devil, he's also coming to deliver us from this evil age. And so we say with all the church, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in that rock, Christ Jesus. Amen.